Good morning, everyone. It's interesting that it's six months, or in another few days, it's six months since the alarm bells went off and we were faced with restrictions and lockdown and the fear of pan the pandemic. And when that hit, there was amazing just all the negativity that went on and the way that everybody felt. But uh, I want to share a little about captivity. But first of all, I want to look at a verse in Jeremiah 29, 11. And this was written to people who were in captivity, people who were locked down, and they were not handling that very well. And this is what uh, Jeremiah received from the Lord. And he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Before I expound on that further, I want to go to a tribe of Israel, and that tribe is, uh, is the tribe of Dan. It's one of the 12 tribes. And I want to look at what happened to that tribe. It's interesting that they are lost in history, in biblical history and eternity. Um, when we get to Revelation chapter 7, and it's talking about the eternal destiny with God, the tribe of Dan is not mentioned. And we want to look at why. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you that you're here this morning. Thank you for your presence. And I thank you that this word can encourage us and challenge us as we go through difficult situations. I pray, God, it may give us that uh, determination to persevere where we're at and to see your hand moving in our lives. And we just pray, Lord, that this message will go out to many hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. The tribe of Dan is uh, one of the tribes of, uh, was Dan was one of the sons of Jacob, and they were given a certain amount of ground in Israel. If we can just back up in history, we know that the children of Israel came out of Egypt, uh, crossed the desert, crossed the Jordan River, and they were all allotted a certain amount of ground. And Dan was given this uh, area which was west of Jerusalem and they were not enjoying that area because there was reason there was trouble. So let's just look at one of the verses as it says in Judges 1 34. It says because the Danites struggled and opposition from the Amorites and the Philistines they were sick of trying to occupy the given inheritance. They were pushed from the productive plains to the hills countries and they struggled. You know, what happens when you struggle? What happens when opposition comes into your life? As a result of that, it's, life is, it's not easy. And quite often we fantasize of distant dreams and diff different places. I know when uh, lockdown came just under six months ago, my first thoughts were probably like everyone else. There must be a better place than this. There must be somewhere where we can go. I fantasised back to the farm that uh, I grew up on. Wouldn't it be good to be on that farm and you could sort of isolate from everybody else? And the other fantasy I had was since I've retired several years ago, I've been doing a lot of work in Papua New Guinea in an isolated place up on a mountain uh, hill where we've built a school and church and been working in the village. And I thought, if only I could be there. If I could be there, life would be so much easier and, and there wouldn't be the struggle. And it's interesting that many people thought that. 
as we look at what happened in Brisbane, a lot of the people looked at uh, going to regional towns. In fact, property increased in regional town and the little farmlets on the uh, scenic rim all around Brisbane increased in price because many people wanted to escape. As I said, what happens when difficulties come? We want to fantasise. We want to think of something else, somewhere better. And the Danites, uh, or the Danites, I should say, they thought there must be a better place. And let's read what they did. In Judges 18, we see, and we'll see why that they were lost. It says the Danites sent five of their leading men from Zorah and Ishtol to spy out the land and explore it. And these men represented all the Danites and they told them, go and explore the land. And so they entered the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah where they spent the night. And when they were near Micah's house, they recognised the voice of the young Levite. And so they turned in there and asked him, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? Why are you here? And he told them uh, what Micah had done for him. And he said, he had hired me and I am his priest. And they said to him, please inquire of God to learn where our journey will be successful. And the priest answered them, go in peace. Your journey has the Lord's approval. Somehow I don't think that this priest was in tune with God, because if we read on, we can find that uh, he had idols uh, that were made from wood, that were lined with silver, even though he had an ephod. And he gave these Danites, these guys that were went out to find a better place, uh, I believe a forced blessing. Anyway, these five guys journeyed on, and they went right up to what we know as the top of Israel, uh, to the foothills of Mount Heron. And there they found a, an ideal little, uh, can I say, town, and it was called Laish. And when they found this, it had everything what they dreamt of. It had perfect water supply, there was natural springs, and it was lush, uh, the climate was ideal. It's everything what you dream of when you want to escape. And they thought, this is great. This is where we want to settle. These people were peace-loving, so uh, they, they just took notice of all this area and then they went back to their home. They got back to uh, the other people and the elders and they said, we've found the perfect paradise where we'd like to escape. Uh, we need to go. We believe this is where we should go. And so all the warriors got together and some of the uh, their wives and their family and the animals and they headed off to towards this new place, this new paradise that they wanted to go to. On the way, they went past Micah's house and that was in Ephraim. And one of the, the five guys that had gone up there earlier said, do you know in Micah's house, uh, he has some idols and he's got an ephod. And the other people that were with him, the soldiers said, well, let's go and get it, go and get it. And so the 600 warriors stood at the gate of Micah's house and they went in and they just took the idols. And the uh, priest, the Levite priest said, 
you know, what's going on? And they said, why don't you come with us? You can come with us and be our priest. Uh, and so he agreed to go with them up to wherever they were going to go. It's interesting when we're not right with God, when we want to do our own thing and go our own way, uh, how that will mix it up with all different types of uh, religion and different types of belief. They headed off up to uh, Laish and they took these people who were peace-loving people by surprise and they absolutely wiped them out and they killed them all and they rebuilt a city and they called it Dan and they are totally lost and we wonder why they're lost when we look at the scriptures and it's interesting that the Bible scholars give two reasons why they were probably lost and I'll, I'll just read them. One, they became the northernmost city of Israel. They became the first port of call by the evading Assyrians from Babylon. So maybe they were wiped out because of that. And the second reason what we believe that they may have been wiped out, along with the tribe of Ephraim, they were the leaders in apostasy and idolatry. They allowed things that got involved in their religion. They wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to be independent. And you know what's interesting, if I can just harp on this for a little while, when things don't go our way, so often we want to do our own thing. We want to break away. We're not willing to, to work it through. The Danites should have worked it through. They should have got their neighbours or their brothers, Judah and Benjamin and the other tribes, and they could have defeated those enemies where they were, but they wanted it to be independent they, because things didn't go their way. Let's do our thing. And I, I realise that that is a, something that we've all got to struggle with when life's not easy. I was a pastor after being a missionary for 22 years at Redcliffe, and it's interesting the number of... Uh, can I speak from a pastor's point of view rather than just the normal uh, Christians? But the number of pastors that came through our church while I was pastoring and when things didn't seem to suit them, they wanted to tell me how to run the church and would-be people who wanted to be in a position of... And I just saw the negative influence that they caused because things didn't go their way. But I was blessed by one older pastor that came into our church and for many, many years he became my right-hand man. And it's interesting that in all the time that he was there, whatever we worked through, he, he just became an encourager and the people just loved him. And not once did he ever refer to the past. This is the way we used to do it. Not once did he ever do that. And my last job at pastoring in that church was actually to do his funeral. And I declared from that day on that not only would I be like Pastor George Crane, but I would be even better than Pastor George Crane because I'm not going to be somebody that comes into a church in retirement and try and put everyone right. I was just going to share the word of God and be an encourager to the pastor. And... I just feel that if the Danites had had that attitude, but no, they wanted it to be independent, uh, 
And then they wanted to do their own religion or their, their, can I say, their church separate to what the norm was. And they tried to do their own thing. And somehow they got lost in history. Let's go back and look at this verse that I started off with in Jeremiah 29, 10 and 11. You know, so often we take these verses and we hand them around and bless people. But I wonder if we've ever really looked at the context that they were written. I'll read them. This is Jeremiah 29, but rather than just read verse 11, I'm going to read verse 10 as well. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The children of Israel, because of prolonged disobedience to God and idol worship, were taken into captivity into Babylon. And this is 597 BC. And while they were there in Babylon, there was a bit of a rebellion going on. They weren't going to submit to the Babylonians. And Jeremiah was still back in Jerusalem. And he'd been writing letters and trying to tell them to submit. And what rose up amongst the uh, people was some false prophets and saying, no, we're not going to do what the Babylonians want us to do. We're going to do our thing. We're, we're captives here. We're, uh, we're under lockdown. Let's rebel. And there was also a false prophet back in Jerusalem sending letters all the way to, uh, to the Babylonians, or sorry, to the children of Israel under Babylonian captivity and telling them what they should do. And Jeremiah said, no, you're all wrong. This is what the word of God says. And if we went back to the start of chapter 29, Jeremiah says, what God wants you to do is to put your head down and literally work your butts off. And I want you to build houses. I want you to build gardens. I want you to marry uh, amongst from your own people and, 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 and multiply. And as the area around you prosper, so you will prosper. And so this was written to people who were refusing to work. And then Jeremiah sums up that whole prophecy by saying, in 70 years' time, you're going to be taken out of this captivity and you're going to be set free. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I know that is a general blessing and, and basically in itself that is a true statement. God does want to bless us. But I wonder when we hand it out so freely to people, do we realise in its context it was written for people who were in captivity, people who needed to work through the situation, people that needed to put their heads down and work hard. And I wonder when we give that out so freely to young people and saying, yes, God does want to bless you, but there's hard work that's got to come with it. You know, we all dream of an escape when life gets difficult. 
And I'm so glad that the New Testament gives us so many verses of encouragement, so many um, words to lift us up when we go through struggles. Maybe we should just look at some of them. In 2 Peter 1.6, it says, Perseverance builds strength and resilience and character. I'll read that again. Perseverance builds strength, resilience and character. And then James 1, 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Hebrews 10, 35 to 36 says, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. And then Hebrews 7, 12 verse 7 says, endure hardships. In fact, the whole chapter of, uh, of Hebrews 12 encourages us to push on and not to give up when we're going through struggles. And then verses 1 and 2 in Hebrews 12 says, Look to Jesus who pushed on and he endured the cross. And it goes on to say that same Jesus is the one that can live within us and strengthen us through our struggles and problems if we open our lives to him. And I pray this morning that if you haven't fully opened your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do that because we, we serve a God that is able to help us through all our struggles and all our difficulties. John 16, 33, Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. And Romans 8, 35 says, shall trouble or persecute, sorry, I'll read that again, shall trouble or persecution separate us from the love of God? No, nothing will. You know, God's love and strength is available for each one of us. I want to give one more illustration, and it comes from Joshua chapter 5. Joshua had crossed the uh, Jordan River and he had a battle before him and it would have been an a, a amazing, sorry, a, it would have been a stressful thing that he was going through. He'd taken on an enemy before in the open plains but never with a walled city. And he would have been really worried. And it says in Joshua chapter 5 that he was walking to Jerusalem. I don't know whether he was there with his group or whether he'd gone for a walk and just been meditating and praying. But let's read what happened. It says, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does the Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua had an encounter with the commander of the Lord's army. Some of us may call that an ephany or a Christophany an angel, but as far as I'm concerned, he had a, an encounter with the living Lord, Jesus Christ. And what did he do with that? 
he had to learn that it's a not, a, not a matter of asking God to bless his plans, but asking God what his plans were. And so often we want to go our own way and then say, God bless us. But when Joshua met the commander of the Lord's army, and when Joshua challenged him, what side are you on? Are you on their side, the enemy, or are you on my side? And the commander said, I'm on neither. It's a matter of you getting on my side, and then you'll have victory. And so often we want to do our own thing. And what happens when we do that? We make a mess of our life. I want to refer back to a story that some of you may have already heard me share. But when we were missionaries back in Yangaroo, Papua New Guinea, um, things were there, were, there were many struggles and difficulties. And at the same time, some of the leaders asked us, would we be interested in shifting from where we were up into the highlands of Papua New Guinea? And the picture they painted, it sounded very, very attractive. It sounded like a, that was the, in the natural, was the right thing to do. And they were fairly negative with the people that we're working with and sort of said that they'd had long enough to change. And I think you should leave these people because of their ungratefulness and harshness and you'll be better off going up yonder. Uh, that was quite some distance away. And I was struggling with that because I felt strongly that God wanted us to stay where we were. Anyway, one night some drunken rascals attacked our mission station and did some damage to the school. And myself and the headmaster went out and tried to stop them. And as a result of that, I got bashed up quite severely and retreated to the house and they stoned the house fairly bad and my wife even got hurt. Anyway, next morning, I got up to do my devotions. I had to preach and I'm over in the church and asking God, do I have to leave this place? What's, what's going on? Maybe I would be better if I left these hardened people. And my Bible fell open at Psalms chapter 11. And I was absolutely amazed at what it said. And God just spoke to me and said, God, and if I can just paraphrase that, it says, God is our protector, it starts off. And even though people are telling you to run away to the mountains like a bird and flee, you're virtually not to. Even though the enemy has his bow and arrow ready to shoot you, you're to stay. You'll be protected, you'll be looked after. Interesting, that really spoke to me. And even though I had a massive swollen head that day from the, where I was bashed, I, I still was able to speak and, you know, change came almost immediately. The whole area just totally, totally changed. And I'd love to go on and tell you about some of that changes. But since leaving that area, I've been back there 30 times. And now the biggest fight when I go back is the villagers are fighting over where they want to put my body when I die. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, I believe that many times God wants us to persevere and push on and he'll give us the strength and we'll be amazed at the breakthrough. 
we're going to come and sing in a sec um, about the Waymaker. But maybe my message has spoken to you that you've been wanting to give up, you've been wanting to escape from where you are, but God wants you to stay there. God wants you to persevere. And yet at the same time, I realise that some of you may be in a situation you do need to escape and you can't find a way. And I believe that if you open your life to God and say, God, come into my heart. God, I want to do your will. I want to be like Joshua. I, I want to do what God wants me to do, not what God to bless me what I want to. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. I'm not going to be like the people, the, the Dans, the tribe of Dan, that uh, the struggle became too much for them. They tried to find another life. They found a paradise. They found a place that was so well watered with springs and natural and it was at the foot of Mount Heron. It's just fantastic climate. But they became lost because that was not what God wanted them to do. That was not where God wanted them to go. And I look at the children of Israel when they were in captivity. They were complaining. They were rebelling. They wanted to listen to the can I say they're false prophets and those that were giving them all ideas not to work hard. And Jeremiah comes and says, no, put your head down, work hard. Make the best of it because God has a future for you. God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. God wants you to, be, to enjoy life abundantly. And even though that didn't come immediately, it eventually come. Interesting that by the time that many of them went back from captivity, many stayed because they, they became prosperous. They became, that became home. They became assimilated into the, the Babylonian area. Don Mion wrote a song from Isaiah 43, 19. And in that verse, it talks about that God makes a way in the wilderness. And this is what he said. Oh, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. I thank you, Lord, that even though many are going through times of difficulties and struggles, I thank you that when we look to you, that you sustain us, that you strengthen us, that you enable us, Lord, to go through that. You're able to give us the grace. And I pray for those this morning that want to rededicate their lives to you or open their hearts that you may come into their lives, Lord, so that they can be sustained, they can be strengthened, they can be guided by you. Lord, I just pray that right where they are, right now, we open our hearts to you to receive of you afresh this morning, Lord. I also want to bring those that do need to escape. They are in a situation that they need to get out of. I thank you that you can make a way for them. And those that are looking for an escape when they should be staying where they are, Lord, that they would have been challenged by this word. And God, that you'll give them the peace, the assurance that as they stay where they are, that you will help them. You'll help them to overcome the problems and the situations and the difficulties they're facing. And again, Lord, we thank you for the salvation that you give us. 
In Jesus' name, amen.